This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Angel Rose and Ahanu. Uh, you know, Ahano, I always report the weather, and usually it's always the same old thing. But this morning, the fall weather has arrived in San Diego, much to my surprise. I actually didn't think that San Diego would ever have a fall season, but Ahano, my feet are cold. I should have gone on my little snugglies this morning. It's chilly this morning, and there you are, all wrapped up in your flannel shirt, your long pants. I have to, you know, coming from Ireland with my thin blood and my white skin. <laughs> I know I have to. And uh, I, I feel as if I'm a committed Californian now because, you know, many times the people here complain about the cold when it goes below 70. I think we encountered the same thing in Florida. Do you remember? I do. I do. Only now you're that way. I know. <laughs> you, and our, you and our roommate were actually complaining the other day that you had to close the windows at night because it got down to 75 or something crazy. I think if I ever get back to Ireland, you know what, I'll freeze to death. <laughs> you will. You will. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for you there. You'll be screaming to come back to San Diego. I know. Get me back to the 364 days a year of, of sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> I know you certainly do get spoiled with it, don't you? Oh my God, it's a, it it really is just a, a the body adapting, and the body is fantastic at adapting, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. And all the discussions that we've had with the wonderful guests we've had on this show over the last 77 episodes, can you believe this is number 77? And they've all introduced amazing concepts both m- mentally physically spiritually emotionally in all manners and ways really about how adaptable we are as humans and how we're amazing and how we cope with this environment and where we came from and the hazards that we've we've uh, encountered along the way and how we're still here and we're battling on and how fantastic we are really now that's not always the truth on the ground of course because many people are caving in under the pressures of politics or the financial game that's going on or their pressure, they're, they're caving in under the pressures of ill health and that kind of thing. And that's actually the nature of our discussion here today because we are talking about a social experiment, a great social experiment. Now, we've had on our show before, we've had Philip and Susan Madeley and they're dedicated to vibrant living and the body power that can be experienced by eating whole, organic, living, plant-based nutrition supported with superfoods. And we happen to know Philip and Susan personally, and they walk their talk. So you will come away from this show today filled with knowledge and inspiration, and it will open your eyes to a whole new way of vibrant health and living. But they particularly want to focus today on social compassion, uh, the social compassion experiment. Yes, I don't think we've ever had a discussion about compassion on this show. And uh, they sent this over to us like a bit late last night. I didn't get to read through the whole thing, but I'm sure they'll tell us all about it. It looks like there's some wonderful stories in here and some wonderful points to be made. So we will be bringing them on in a few minutes. Okay, but first, 
Of course, we always have our little announcements, and um, I have to tell our listeners that Ahano had his first radio interview last night where somebody was interviewing him on his new book, The Reincarnation of Columbus, which is a story, a true story, <clears throat> of the loss of his infant son, his very firstborn son, actually, uh, back in Ireland 26 years ago, I do believe it was. And it's actually taken him uh, this long to actually write the book about that experience and what a father goes through at the loss of a child and also um, how he turned a lot of those loss events in his life into forgiveness and love. So it's a very, very, very powerful book. Um, he actually cheated last night on this interview because he hasn't been letting me have even a glimpse of the material. <clears throat> and there he was on this interview and he's offering the host to read a bit of the book to her over the air. I couldn't believe it. I sat there in utter shock. And anyway, so then uh, later you decided that it was time to read me a bit of the book. So he started reading me only the first chapter. And I do have to say, it is a very uh, powerfully, emotionally moving book. So um, it's an important book, but a very emotionally moving book. So people need to know once they open this book, Ahano, I'm surprised what a fantastic writer you are. You're so descriptive. You see, my books are easy because I, I report... I'm a reporter. You know, my books are all about the transcripts from the Akashic Records, but you actually are telling a true story, and your descriptions are riveting, I do have to say. Well, it's not easy to write about it, Angie Rose, I have to tell you, because I've heard you discussing with our guests and our participants on our Sunday morning group Akashic Records sessions all about journaling. And I've heard you advocate the power of journaling many, many, many times. And what journaling is all about is writing down those feelings. And that's exactly what I did. And I began all those years ago, 26 years ago, really documenting what I was feeling. And the reason I did it wasn't out of some kind of inner knowledge or insight that journaling was going to help me in some way, but out of sheer lack of understanding of what I was going through. I just, the only way I found that I could bring any kind of understanding was to vent through writing. And I wrote it all down. I wrote down how I was feeling. I wrote down what I was believing, what was happening to me. And and I say happening to me because at that time I did believe that everything is external to us. I did believe that it was somebody else was doing something to me. And thankfully I did write about it because it formed the basis then of this book called The Reincarnation of Columbus and if anybody would like to get hold of it it is at the website of the same name all one word the reincarnation of Columbus.com and it is a true story as you say and it is it is tough I, I caution people it is tough it is raw it is real and but thankfully of course towards the end you will find that I'm still alive, I'm still here, and I'm now advocating 
peace and compassion and love and all of that kind of thing. So there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. This is the overriding message really is that there is there is wonder and beauty and love in life and it's not all about other people doing stuff to us. And this was the great discovery. And in fact, where the name came from in terms of the reincarnation of Columbus, on the front cover of the book there is an image of a, a sailing ship, like a Columbus sailing ship, going from dark waters into what appears to be the the brightness of some future. And it is all about that moving from the old world of grief and sorrow and pain and sadness to the new world of love and compassion. And we will indeed be speaking about compassion today. Yes, yes we will. And that, and we're also going to be uh, asking Susan about her dream, her online dream workshops, because I know she's She's planning that. If she hasn't started it already, she may have started it. So we'll be looking forward to that also when we get into this discussion with them today. So let's see. Are there any more announcements? Yes, I'm giving a beginning tarot class on October 5th. That would be next Saturday at the Wine Steels in Cardiff. So if anyone is lives in San Diego area and would love to spend a fall day by the sea uh, at Wine Steels in Cardiff and have fun learning about the tarot. I was a tarot teacher for over 35 years. Uh, in fact, those were the only types of readings that I did before I learned to read the Akashic Records. I've taught many classes in Chicago when I lived there and actually done many holistic fairs and psychic fairs and was on that circuit for many, many years until I learned to read the records. But the tarot is really a really powerful uh, path to your own inner self if you want to use it that way. There's many levels of the tarot, and I have written a little beginner book about the tarot, which will be given away for free to anyone who attends the class. So if you are interested in coming along next Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5, do contact me at angelrose at angelrose.com. That's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E at angelrose.com. And we hope we see you there. Uh, it'll be uh, $75 for the day. And um, you'll have a lot of fun, as well as you can order yourself a glass of wine and some of their beautiful uh, cheese boards or hummus or salads. They have wonderful food there as well. Well, I'd like to vouch for Angel Rose's book, Beginning Tarot, because I actually went through her course. And I have to say, I never encountered anyone with the ability to be able to teach the tarot in such a short space of time simply because the tarot as you know is 72 cards broken into two types the what do you call them the major and minor arcana the major and minor arcana and all those pictures are very very difficult to remember what they mean and all the numbers equally to remember what they mean and this has always been the difficulty with tarot i've heard many times people saying that it's taken them several years to learn but with Angel Rose's method, you will actually be coming away from that session knowing how to read 
the tarot and in fact being able to read for yourself and for others right after that one day. It's really an absolute wonder the way she does it. You know, it's been a long time since I've taught a class, Ahano. I was very, very excited. Yeah, and it is time, you know. I, I know we both have moved, in a sense, moved on to other things in the way of the world and what's going on in the bigger picture. And in a sense, it seemed that the tarot took a, a background, to, went, faded into the background in terms of its importance. But in fact, the way you teach is coming to the foreground again in the sense that there are amazing life lessons in the tarot there are amazing spiritual lessons actually when you when you look at it from that level from that perspective so can you explain just a moment about that uh specifically with the major arcana because the major arcana uh it's 22 cards out of the deck and that alone is a spiritual path all the way from the fool at number 0 all the way up to the world at number 21 so not only is it a spiritual path, it's also a historical record uh, of events in our world, and it also uh, has indicators on where we're headed as a race. So the thing about the Major Arcana, it's because it really is a spiritual path. It holds uh, virtues and lessons along the way, each card. So when you do a layout, you ask a question and you do a spread, you take a look at where the major cards are appearing in the spread and how the lessons of those particular cards or the information of those particular cards are expressing themselves through the minor cards in a person's life. This would be through their career, their relationships, their uh, business or finance, you know, their creativity. So you take a look at what's the predominant way that the lesson is expressing itself, and you can give a person a lot of information around that. So that's the major arcana. Uh, We'll be going through that in depth, and we'll be playing with spreads throughout the day, easy ones, nothing too complicated, even though there are some advanced spreads in the little book that I created. But um, what you're speaking of in terms of how I teach it is... We do some intuitive exercises with the cards that do not involve uh, having to know the interpretations at all. So we practice with that throughout the day to give people the confidence that they can pull out those cards, ask a question, do this intuitive exercise, and come out with the message without ever having to know the particular definitions of the cards. So it's a, it's a kind of a different way to learn and it always, it also helps your intuition while you're doing it. Are our guests there yet today, Hanu? Well, let's check. And, uh, by way of an introduction, let me just mention, first of all, of course, that Susan and Philip Maidley are long-term live food vegans for over 40 years, in fact. And they've They manifest their life purpose by bringing passion, knowledge and experience to everyone who chooses to achieve the best health ever. And live food nutrition permeates their careers, both spending 10 years immersed with Dr. Gabriel Cousins at the Tree of Life, a holistic healing center community which supports and educates patients and rejuvenates clients and students from all over the world. 
Philip currently works with Dr. James Sheridan at Health Force Nutritionals, creating world-class therapeutic superfood formulations. And Susan is a professional life coach in person, by telephone and by Skype with families and clients worldwide. And in 2011, they earned their master's degree in vegan and live food nutrition from Gabriel Cousins' master's degree program. This accumulated in a massive project of over a 100 vegans to show that it's possible to have a healthy vegan pregnancy and that vegan children are in equal or better health than mainstream children. This study examined what's needed to have a healthy diet for families and this diet included a study of breastfeeding and live food vegan milk replacements for traditional baby formula and that's a subject that has been discussed on this program in the past. You remember we've had several people talking about the benefits of breastfeeding and how it's uh, well it's not so much supported in mainstream society and with the baby formulas and all taking over over the last 20 30 40 50 years perhaps isn't that right Angel Rose? Yeah it's true Uh, I think when I was born formula was becoming really popular so I don't believe my mother breastfed me and you've heard me whine about that my whole entire life anyway um yeah, it is, it is another topic. And even our guest last week, Charlotte Young, she wanted to get more into that because that is her, her work. So we'll have her on again because we got sidetracked, I think, onto other important topics talking to her. And, um, as usual with our guests, sometimes there's just not enough time to cover everything you want. But are they there this morning, Hunter? Maybe they're, are they still sleeping? Let's just check. We have a caller from area code 520. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Great. Can you spe- just wow. speak a little louder there, folks, so we can get your full volume on here? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, go and uh, change the settings. Even a little louder if you can. One second. Okay. We're just going to change our settings. Sure. Okay. All right, while they're adjusting their settings there, as I mentioned, this is Philip and Susan Maidley, who used to live in California. They enjoyed the heat and comfort of California, and then they moved, of course, from the frying pan into the fire into Arizona. Isn't that right? Yes, yes, they did. And we've been wanting to go up and visit them, but, you know, they warned us don't come until the fall because it was way too hot there. But we did mention that Philip works for Health Force Nutritionals, and, Ahanu, if people could see our garage, our garage is full of Health Force nutritional products that we use every single day, and it has just become a part of our life. They're uh, superfood uh, powders and products have kept us healthy for a long, long time, haven't they? Years, actually. Absolutely, yes, and it is something that we recommend to people all the time. And perhaps uh, Philip might spend just one minute giving us a tiny little bit of background before we go into the subject of the social compassion experiment. Maybe you could start with the health force and the, the vegan diet that you and Susan so so rightly endorse. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I'm enjoying a, a little smoothie this morning. It doesn't actually have any health force products in it, but it's... Um it's a black sesame milk smoothie with, um, it's actually Health Force Carob. It's the carob we use in the vitamin or green. And it's the best carob on the planet. Eventually we'll be releasing this carob as a standalone product. 
I got some herbs in there and some coconut sugar, and it's uh, yeah, it's a really yummy start to the day. So that's the smoothie I'm enjoying right now. That's their coffee, is it, uh, Ahano? <laughs> that's your coffee, she said. Yes. <laughs> it to- totally is, and it's it's nourishing on on a cellular level. It's got some powder arco, which is an anti antibacterial herb, and yeah, it's uh, and it's delicious too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's we. We always thought that to move towards that kind of a healthy diet was difficult and wasn't easy simply because you couldn't walk to the store as is so convenient for most Americans now. It involved an element of work and preparation and so on. And that was always the difficulty. And you guys seem to have mastered that by way of preparing things in advance and always having things at your your fingertips so you can maintain this wonderful wonderful diet and it's you're an inspiration to people actually and we've seen some of your youtube videos and the work that you do with health force is to be to be commended it's fantastic really and um, well it's really it's really about just um being prepared and making and making it easy and making things that you like and you enjoy it doesn't need to be complicated i mean there's like all these crazy recipe books out there which are amazing food but a lot of them take a lot of preparation. We we tend to just do things that are easy. We throw things in a jar and sprout them, or grab you know grab some lettuce, or throw things in a blender and make a smoothie. So it's all about making it easy and making so, sure that your store cupboards are well stocked. And that's kind of you know people do that with regular food anyway. You know, stocked with cans and things. We just stock it with herbs and seeds <laughs> and superfoods. <laughs> So we'll look forward to your and Susan's, uh, the, the Madly Way, the cookbook, the Madly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I look at it as going back to the 50s when you prepared your own food. Basically that's it. It's, it's, it's the farm life. It's the, it's the, the non-fast food life. So it's living in your own kitchen rather than in McDonald's kitchen. Even that statement sounds romantic, you know, <laughs> and, and I do mean that, you know, because you do think back to the day when things were more natural and simpler, and certainly, you know, as a race, we've gotten ourselves in a lot of trouble uh, by going to processed foods and box foods and store-bought food and fast food, and, uh, you know, it has become, unfortunately, part of a lifestyle that is is really stressful and unhealthy. And um, I know when you've guided me quite a bit, Susan, on the raw food, and uh, I'm not entirely there yet, but certainly we've done things a whole lot better in the in the past couple of years. So, so anyway, we're doing your Health Force Healing Cleanse 2 right now as we speak. Great. <laughs> That's been an experience. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, you know, that's where, you know, um, companies like HealthForce just come in and make things a lot easier, you know, with especially with the foundational products, you know, Vitamin or Green, which is the greens blend. I mean, that's, you know, one thing that so many people take on a daily basis and it makes such a huge difference in their lives. You know, they're just really getting that whole food multivitamin. I mean, it's so different than the the junk that people find in the drugstore with like the fake multivitamins that are all synthetic that the body can't recognize and are actually toxic. 
you're talking about something like vitamin or green, and it's it's just so nourishing on a on a deep cellular level. And then as you start to take in stuff like that, it starts to inspire you to eat, you know, other fresh foods, and it just it just really you know starts to shift the shift the vibration in the body. I was just thinking that the vitamin or green actually started in Jameis' kitchen. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the thing, though. You, you know, you your whole lives are immersed in the health of the body, mind, spirit, and you've been doing this for years and years. But it amazes me how you are also you've also extended yourselves out into other areas, and you you work with all kinds of people and issues. And you yourself, Susan, are a, a, a life coach and so on. And now you have this social compassion experiment. Talk to us about that. Okay. Um, well, I, I just want to give a little little um, credit where credit is due on that. Um, I'm in a class uh, at Coursera, C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A dot org, uh, at Wesleyan University with um, Scott Plaus. And uh, par- I, what I didn't expect in this social psychology class was um, a day of compassion was one of our assignments. And um, I was inspired at first. There is a there. I will be knowing soon. There is a a, um, a, a reward. A, a um, the re, of course the compassion was rewarding in itself. But there will be a reward for uh, the students that are voting right now. Um, a, a day of a meeting uh, the Dalai Lama and a thousand dollars to give to our favorite charity, and that was part of the um the uh the gift back to us for doing a day of compassion but now the day of compassion was like 10,000 students going out and spending 24 hours on their own um gift to the world which, which was totally amazing i read over 100 uh days of compassion uh, and ours we decided to travel around um Tucson and um, I had a list of places we were going to go, and and we all of them were closed, and <laughs> and so we met people on the street, and it was really really beautiful. It was just a day of looking people in the eyes and um, just giving love out to the world, and it was just. And did they understand what it was that you were doing, Susan? Do you know when you say you look people in the eye? Yeah, we didn't we didn't tell them that it was a uh, a competition that I was in. Um and in fact that the day before I meditated all day and we did it during Shabbat. So I stayed in my heart space and just actually just I did give out a little stone um and I did come uh, tie it into an experience I had when I was working in a girl's home. Uh, there was a young girl um I'm wondering if I should say her name. I'm not going to say her name because she changed her name. Um, she had come to the to the to the center where I was at, and she was um, being um, there was a cultural difference. She was brought to America, and um, she was fitting in in America, and then not fitting in in her family. And her father became very abusive towards her because she was losing her culture. And um, he um, wanted to send her back to her home country or 
he was going to actually kill her. So um, she, she, the, 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 the social services decided she needed to change her name and and give up her whole family. And um, the day that she was, she was 16 years old. The day that she was doing that, leaving to to, to not be anyone anymore, um, she gave me a, a a black stone, and um, she said, you know, she that that this she wanted me to have this gift and I was like oh this is really nice and then she said my grandmother gave it to me when I was really little and I was like oh my gosh I can't take this you're leaving your whole family how can I take this and she said um well my grandmother told me that one day I would give the stone away and that when you give something away it makes you a better person so that happened to me 20 years ago and I'm sitting here crying on this oh my gosh. <laughs> but, well that's a very um, moving experience wow. It was very moving, and so um, I um, I did give that stone away, and I used that as the basis for reaching out to homeless people. Um, I had the story written down, and I was giving stones away that day and encouraging other people to pass the stone along as well. Yes. I'm very interested, though, in the experiment, and actually, you know, if you can tell us some stories about what happened during the experience, um, I'd really like to hear those. Well, the, the first thing was um, Susan, like, you know, said she was announced she was doing this, and I was like, I don't know, I just want to stay at home and ride my bike. I don't know about this, but I didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, she wants Husband. to support her. I'm going to support her. <laughs> so I had my resistance, but I just put it aside and didn't even tell Susan. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what this is about. So, <laughs> so I was just like, just show up, and I can tell you, it was just the most amazing day ever. It just, and it actually really reminded me of what it was like living over at the Tree of Life, where we had lots of people coming in, and we just, you know, really um, blessed all the people that come in and hugged them, and and really, this is a day about just going out and showing up, and it was, it was just great because I just. Even though I had I had resistance, but I was just like, just be present, just stay present, and just all these cool experiences happened. Where we just started bumping into people. We, the first bus we, we did, we don't have a car, so we bust and walked all over Tucson. It was really hot day. <laughs> but the first we got on this bus, and this guy just like got on the bus and was like asking us like, are you godly people or something like that? And and then yes. he just started to share this story about how he had an argument with his wife and, and just like, it was just beautiful. And, and so Susan like went over to him and gave him a blessing and gave him a stone. And he was just like, just like he started to, his energy started to shift. And the next thing he like borrowed our cell phone and called his wife and told her to meet him. And <laughs> wow. Gosh. And <laughs> Philip, tell us. Yeah, Yes, you know that resistance that you were talking about there that you felt? Do you think that's the mm-hmm. same resistance that most people would feel when faced with the choice of operating from the heart center or stay closed? Is that, is, is that a male thing, do you think, or is that pervasive throughout all humanity? I think we all have like that. There's, 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 there's like a resistance in there, a fear of... Mm-hmm. Of, of being brilliant, of like yeah. shining our light, and we kind of hold hold back. Yeah, or even just the fear of stepping out of 
of norm. I mean, the, the social psychology class that I was in, one of the one of the interesting things that I learned was the bystander effect, and that is when people, um, when someone is in distress, if there's lots of people around, that people tend not to help. But and and it seems it seems counterintuitive. It seems like if you you know that you would help people if they're you know especially if you see someone you know getting hurt or mugged or or something like that. Yes. But what humans tend to do is look to each other, and if they see other people stuttering or stopping or not helping, then they tend to go with that herd and not help. Um, the interesting um, thing about the bystander effect, too, is that if it's only one person, they tend to help. Right. So there's this thing where we where we uh, we we, we um, go with the sheep instead of stepping out of our our comfort zone and, and being the first one to yes. to give that. Assistance. And do you think, you know, thinking about the hundred monkey effect, do you think that if more and more people did operate from the heart space and did the social compassion experiment, do you think it would tip the scales so that all of humanity would be supportive and helpful? Or do oh, you definitely. Think, yeah? We, we got so much more than we gave. We really did. We, I, and the other thing is, too, I can say we got much more than we gave, but I can, I can still in my heart see all of the eyes that looked at me and the gratitude that, that came just from giving someone a little stone and a little moment in time of saying, you know, I care about you. It it was really, really amazing. There were so many people who were like surprised that we came up to them and, and surprised that we were we were kind to them, which which really, you know, kind of broke my heart in a way and, and also inspired me. Did you just focus on homeless people, Susan? Uh, no, we actually anybody who gave us eye contact, basically, and we and we worked to get our faces in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> so we there were three women who were passing out um, uh, in literature for a benefit, and that was really fun. So they got all excited, and we giggled and talked and and jumped up and down and. There was a musician who was traveling from Africa. Now he's our friend. He told me his name three times, and I still didn't know it till he wrote it. <laughs> it's actually Jean Marie, um, but but I I couldn't understand it. But now he's our friend. He he actually writes to us. He's been here for two months, and he was really quiet at the bus stop. And then when we find when he we finally connected. Um, he was like, well, my English isn't so good. So he was kind of afraid to talk because he didn't have very good English. And then Philip made him laugh because he said his English wasn't so good because he was from Africa. And Philip said, well, my English is pretty good, but I'm from England. <laughs> and so then we kind of realized, and, and he's a friend now. And speaking about England... I know coming from across the little pond in Ireland that it's quite normal for everybody on the street, total strangers, to to say hello to each other. It's just the way we're brought up. And that's a thing that people say about the Irish, that you know everybody's very, very friendly. And it's also true in the United Kingdom. But when you come to the United States, when you say hello to somebody on the street, they look as 
as if you've got two heads or maybe even ten heads sometimes. And it seems to be an intrusion. Well, it seems to be an intrusion. Now, did you, how did you overcome that, you know, when you're, when you're trying to cross that cultural bridge and actually make eye contact in the first place or speak to somebody who's a total stranger? It, um, it, what I noticed was um, it's just really being present. And once you catch that eye contact, you're there. I mean, if you just, um, I think I noticed that uh, there was this one group of people that Susan, like, approached and said hi to. And they were just like, no, I'm not interested. So, like, there was a difference. There was, there was no connection. And it's like, I think there was like that first, like making that connection and it's with the eyes, you know, the windows to the soul and just having the heart open and, and like making that connection. And it just starts with the eyes. Like once you make that eye connection, it, it's like it's, it's all over. You yeah. Know, that person's, especially if you're, if you're, if your eyes are coming from a place of, you know, love and kindness and forgiveness and healing and compassion. Then it immediately starts to open, and and I'm one of those people that like to say hello to everybody. You know, I'm riding the, riding my bike along, going to work, and if I see somebody, I'm like, hi, you know, hello, and it's just really, I think it's just just trusting that we're two souls connecting, and 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 really just allowing that connection to happen, and it's it's easy because it's another soul. They want that connection. That other, just knowing that that other soul wants that human connection. It's so used to like being in the shell and it's helping to, you know, we need to do this. We need to break everybody out of the shells so their light can shine. I like, I like when we were eating lunch at Wholesale Foods and Philip was, was looking around connecting with eyes and, and one guy came over to us and said, I think I know you. <laughs> That's right. He didn't get what, why they were connecting, but he just came over to tell Philip, I think I know you. Now, you mentioned that you gave people a blessing. So can you talk mm-hmm. about what the blessing was? And part two of the question is, did you have people who didn't want the blessing? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I like I said, I had a little box of stones. And I actually had, like, I I used to read rune stones a lot, runes, which is the, the, the Celtic um, symbolism. And so I threw some of those in there, and so some people got rep, took a rune stone, some t- people took a regular stone, and I gave them a little, um, you know, a little thing, a little uh, thing that I've written out about Mary. Um, but um, when I gave them the blessing, sometimes I just held their hand and looked into their eyes, and then sometimes words came, and it was like, "I wish you health," and. One one particular guy that that I was really moved by, I, I feel like he's in my soul now. And he was just um, sitting at the bus stop. He was um, just like a, a fluffy old bear, and um, he pulled out. Or he he was obviously a, um, a, um, a street homeless person, and he pulled out a room for career, and his body and his face just lit up and he he started rubbing the stone and it was like I mean I I, for some reason that had meaning to him and that's the the one he pulled out um so 
so yeah, and then and you know, and just I would just let, sometimes let words come, like I wish you health, I wish you love, and 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 I would do it that way. Um, so so I just kind of did it intuitively, and some people actually just got like eye contact and a smile and no stone. So that that was what I did with some people, and it's just I did it intuitively. And um, yeah, the the interesting thing, the people who uh, who rejected, there weren't that many, but there were some. Uh, two of them actually had lottery tickets, and one with the lottery ticket said, "Oh, I don't do this for luck. I just do it for something to do for fun." And then another woman was like, "Oh, I I don't believe in that stuff," um, and she just went on studying her lottery ticket. <laughs> And like Philip said, there was a there was a woman standing by a telephone pole, and I don't know. I think I might assume that because we were in downtown Fourth um, Street, where there are a lot of um, you know hippie type people, that I think she might have thought I was just a hippie, you know, being silly. So that was, and that was it. There was only those those three people. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Well, it's. Yeah. That sounds like an incredibly wonderful experiment. So, so what was the just basically to get eye contact? Because that that was what the thing I learned that I like. Philip, I tend to say hi to people. I've had people come back and go, "Why are you saying hi to me?" (laughs) You know, but I I do that. But this day of compassion, I worked really hard to gain eye contact, and I think that. We tend to go into a little shell, and it may be protective, but once those eyes are connecting, there's a connection. And I think that's what I did differently that day, is I made sure that anybody who was near me that I could get eye contact with, I did. Now, as a taking that whole experiment and applying it to the way we all could be on a daily basis, um, what kind of advice could you give? Breathe and take your time. <laughs> Breathe and <laughs> it take a your lot time. Of time. Yeah, yeah. It, it does take a. It, it does take more time to connect like that. And then, actually, the thing, like I said, is we got so much out of it. Uh, our energy flew after that. Our hearts opened. Our energy flew. We came home. We were um, had so much more energy. So the time and energy, the time that you give to connect to people. It's so energizing. It 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 it, it, it gives back in a multitude. Yeah, <clears throat> study after study has shown that you know, um, giving is like the most important thing we can do. Whatever that is, whether it's giving energy, giving time, um, as Michael Beckwith says, you know, one of our favorite teachers, um, you know, how, how can we, you know, instead of the materialistic mindset, which is how can I get more from this life? It's like, how can I give more? How can I leave this life having given everything I possibly could? And there's so many studies that show that, you know, when we give more, um, it's just, it's just, it's, it's what we're here to do. There was a, I think there was a study, um, about healing miracles. On what, you know, those, you know, the people do those sacred pilgrimages, um, to sacred sites. And they were, uh, there was one guy doing this, I, I don't, I have to get the details on this, but it was, I'll tell the general story. 
and um, they were studying what is the what is it what is the difference that, that makes the people who have these healing miracles and those who don't. And basically, it came down to the ones that got the magical healing experiences were the ones who were praying for healing for somebody else. Wow! So it's really just. It's, I thought that was a powerful, powerful yes, thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're saying is that that's that's human nature. That's our nature. We are given, and that's and that's what we're meant to do. Yes. There was an, another uh, video on um, uh, upworthy um, about happiness, and they did this little uh, little study um, where they they measured people's happiness before and after, and they had these people. Um, choose somebody that they were really, really, uh, and write down what they were grateful for about that person. And then they had them call that person and read what they'd written. They had to like write a page on what they were grateful for about this person. And they were just, they just were overcome with joy as they started to share what they loved about that other person and what they were grateful for. So Yeah. That gratitude is another another aspect. Well, let's let's hold that thought there just for a moment and remind our listeners that you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series and we're speaking with our special and beautiful and wonderful guests today, Susan and Philip Maidley and we're speaking about the social compassion experiment. We're going to go into a short little studio break now but let's remind everybody that our sponsor this week is our very own World of Empowerment, worldofempowerment.com. Go there for free ebooks and downloads from the Akashic Records. And if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at angelrose at angelrose.com. The spelling of that is the Irish word for angel, A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E dot com. So let's go into this little break and we'll be right back to speak with Susan and Philip. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, welcome back everyone to our wonderful show today and our wonderful guests that are, are also our dear friends. And I just have to make a comment to Hano that the San Diego sun is emerging now. So, so the chill is going to be burned off and we're probably going to be up into, uh, yesterday it was still almost 90. Anyway, just had to comment on the weather because you know I report the weather each week. You should get paid for that as a weather reporter, Angel Rose, because you're so diligent about it. And it's as if it was changing every time, you know, every Saturday. It's always the same. <laughs> anyway, we're having a wonderful conversation about love and compassion and sharing and giving. And interesting um, that you mention gratitude, Philip, because, um, you know, my assignment, I'm doing this... Ahano and I actually are both doing this Brain Highways program, and I won't go into that too much, but just to say that my my uh, assignment this week was to uh, tell people that I love what I'm grateful for about them. 
And actually, not just that, but each night before I go to bed, I need to write what I'm grateful about for that day. So, um, and I have done gratitude lists before in my life. And, you know, I think the most surprising thing for me was it was a couple of years ago when I wasn't in such a great, happy place. And, um, of course, the advice, I forgot where it came from, came down the the pike again to uh, look at what you're grateful for. So I, I grumbly went and started to make a list. And as it turned out, um, I was grateful for so many things. And the I only had one thing on my list that actually was upsetting my life. And that was a, a lack of finances at the time. And I thought, isn't it interesting how the truth is, is, is that there's only one thing in my life that I'm really not happy with. The rest of it was, was beautiful. I mean, so many of gifts and abilities and friendships and meetings and, uh, so many things throughout the day that I was grateful for. And here I was using so much of my energy focusing on this one thing that wasn't right, which was overshadowing the joy of all the other things. So gratitude's in a very, very interesting exercise. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you two are amazing. I I was listening to your your about your book and your in your tarot class and the Akashic records and all the things that you both do. Um, we're really blessed to to have you. And I wanted to also mention that um, I'm reading the Anastasia books now. I've been inspired before, but I actually got inspired by one of your interviews. So thank you for that, too. We got stuck with those. We have to tell you, which book are we on? Number four, Ahanu? Number four is supposed to be the highlight of the series. And we got ourselves stuck on number four only because, and no, it needs to be said, though, only because in ways we all tend to come at things from preconceived ideas, you know, and we, we make judgments. And this was an exercise in us looking at us making judgments because basically Anastasia says in in that book number four, you know, explains all about creation. Now, we know from our own experience of going into the Akashic Records, we have our own understanding of creation that differs from what Anastasia said. And for that reason, we felt, oh, we're at a crossroads here with these books. Now, that's not to take, really, that's not to take from the books because in all other ways, they are absolutely inspiring and, and really a pleasure to read. And we get great kick out of them. But as I say, I'm not sure if you're at book number four yet or where you are in the series. Well, well we have to paint the picture, you see. We... We take, when we go out to eat a meal, we take in a, a book with us. And Ahanu, while we're waiting for our meal, Ahanu lovingly Aww. reads to me. I'm spoiled. Oh, he, I love that. He reads to me. So he's, we're reading the Anastasias and she's going on and on talking to Vladimir about creation and how, you know, the world was created and all this. And, you know, we looked at each other like, this is such a bunch of Oh, you know, we just like, oh, my God, Anastasia, you've got off the rails. <laughs> so we we've we put the book in the trunk and uh, we picked up uh, Penny Kelly's uh, The Evolving Human. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. But as I say, it is really all about judgments, you know, the, the what we think we know. 
And that's the way we were approaching it. Now, we may go back to it, of course, and obviously we will finish the series. But it did represent a little hump in the in the series for us. Yeah. Yeah. So far, was, I have I have been uh, um, uh, I'm in book two, and I've been um, I haven't felt that yet. And I and no, I you'll love it up I, until I that. Yeah, you like you I look for the truth and when I you know I feel the truth and I felt the truth so far. Yeah. So. Yes, yes you will. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean all of our experiences is just one aspect of the truth anyway. So That's true. Connecting with that. I know. And it just kind of brings to mind um about I don't know if we mentioned this on the last call but about um well, two months ago now we went to um course and it was called um something breaking free from mediocrity or something like that with actually a uh, a person called Kyle Cease who does transformational um comedy. comedy. <laughs> it was like and it was a, kind of a whole weird experience where we just let go and showed up at this thing. We had no idea what was gonna happen. We and, won a contest. Yeah we we actually won a contest. Which <laughs> made a video we'll share that with you. Um but what I got out of that workshop, it was very spiritual. It's all about, you know, just showing up and allowing, allowing the truth to come through you. Just shutting up the mind and allowing the truth to come through you. And one of the great things that came out of that was just saying, I'm okay with that and being okay with who you are. And that comes, circles back around, here's my thought, to compassion for self. Because we have so many layers of the onion, so many layers of, of uh, programming. Um, it reminds me of another guy, um, Eldon Taylor, who wrote a book called Mind Programming, of how sometimes like we have we have this cognitive dissonance, which is a thing that Susan learned on uh, read about on the social psychology thing, which is we we have this one belief system: I want to get healthy, or you know, I need to do this to you know, to transform my life or, but then we have this underlying belief system from whatever, whether money is evil or I don't really like myself. And to bridge that gap, just making the statement, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this. For me, has made a real impact in my life. And I've, you know, there's been a shift in my ha- overall happiness quotient because of just saying, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the fact that, you know, I have resistance to not doing this. Instead of going, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I I didn't exercise today. Oh, I, I suck. You know, I can't do this. Instead of saying, oh, I'm okay with this and just coming, bring, and that, that statement or whatever statement works for you, how do we bring ourselves back into the present moment in any, in any situation? Mm -hmm. And that just comes back to self-compassion, I think. It does. In fact, um, I, I do want to get to uh, the workshop you guys are doing on dreams in a moment, but um, yeah, we we were watching a, a YouTube video the other night, and I I ended up buying this little program. It was a manifesting program, and uh, there was something about the guy that was a little bit different. He was teaching people how to actually use a mirror to um, contact a part of you that was already at the place you want to be. And uh, even though Ahanu and I do a lot of quantum jumping and um, we do know about 
mirrors as portals. And because of that, because I know that mirrors are portals, I've always been a little bit cautious about actually using them for that purpose. And uh, But for some reason, <clears throat> the way he presented this, I thought, okay, we went out and got ourselves a mirror. I haven't started using it yet. Ahano did yesterday. Um, anyway, and he had a powerful, powerful experience. But going further in this man's program, he also had a video of a workshop where a guy was uh, practicing, you know, the Ho'oponopono, where you, where you recognize that everybody is you. And when, you know, something is showing up, well, he, he actually believed that our, our highest purpose here is to really, uh, he calls it cleaning. That we're, we're really just cleaning the illusion. And so what he does is he just, every question a person asks, no matter what it is or any encounter that he has throughout his day, you know, he views the different things that people bring up or raise as uh, that they are a reflection of him, no matter what it is, and that the whole purpose is to say, I love you, I forgive you, uh, thank you. And in fact, this was the particular man who who actually worked in a mental hospital, I believe, and he he took this approach to all of the people who were uh, mentally ill. In other words, he made you know you talked about eye contact earlier, but he made sure that he he knew who each person was. He would read up on their file. In fact, uh, even in this workshop before the people came, he made a point to find out who everybody was to know their names and um so in terms of making a connection but i think the real point here is that it is coming from a place where you recognize that everybody is you that there is not this separation that we perceive amongst ourselves yeah. and that he yeah. he felt the only reason he was on earth was to clean uh any sort of illusion or pain so and he looks at what people, the kind of questions people ask, the things that that come into his life, really, the people who come in, the situations. He he looks at it all as information about himself that he needs to clean. And so his cleaning is simply that statement, I, I love you, I forgive you, uh, please forgive me, and thank you. And when he practiced that in the mental hospital, every single patient uh, became mentally sane. Every single patient. Okay. And the thing is, is I've been conscious of that. I mean, and we've heard about Ho'oponopono in the past. But since watching that, I became more conscious of recognizing that and doing that. So now, like we were in a restaurant last night and I was listening to a conversation with the couple that were sitting above us, kind of on a different level. Anyway, uh, the woman was actually very opinionated about, you know, her beliefs and uh, Jesus, and Jesus said this and Jesus said that. And, and the gentleman that was sitting uh, with her was disagreeing, and I was listening to this conversation. And you would have a tendency to to go, Oh my God, you know, listen to that conversation. But now you come about it from a different angle and you say, you recognize that both of those people are you. And this is, this is an aspect 
of the illusion they're bringing up. So you just make the statement. And I'm finding, you know, just from doing that, that my own level of happiness is increasing and my own level of clarity is increasing every single day. Wow. So it, it's it's wow. it's actually similar to The Course in Miracles because The Course in Miracles, mm-hmm. that's what it all centers around anyway, that, that you, mm-hmm. you know, you realize that we're all one, really. We're all one big, huge being. And there are certain distorted mm-hmm. things that happen to us uh, in our consciousness and in our belief and the only way to get back down to the natural self which is also what you're talking about because the natural self mm-hmm. naturally wants to share and extend love so the course really says that anything that's happening that is not that is really fear and it, it really is all about forgiving those illusions so it does all come full circle in terms of you know, connecting, you're talking about connecting with people uh, on a really human level, actually. And I think that's what's gone wrong, is we've forgotten to be human with each other. And and yet, there's so many lonely people. I mean, I do readings a lot, and the lonely people are, the they're just, there's so many of them. So many suicidal, lonely people, uh, def- deficient of love and affection, and recognition and uh so you you all bring up a really valuable part of you know what life should be about everything from you know your raw food lifestyle uh be you know even being in harmony with nature and with your body in a very natural way all the way up the scale to extending a smile or a glance or a little bit of help toward another person and not seeing them as you know, somebody totally foreign to yourself. That's my speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good speech. We love it. So- Thank you. I really, I, so, I love the universe. Like when we connect with you, there's always so many synchronicities. I'm sitting here with a book on my desk. Um, you probably heard of it, Amazing Grace with David Wolf and Nick Good. And he has that exact story in this book. It's the only book <laughs> on the desk, and I just grabbed it when I came to the call and put it on my on the desk. And it's got that story about the the Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono, I believe it's called. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like the magic. Like as we as we're having this conversation, we're just really opening our hearts, and we're and we're really seeing the magic that's around us and the connections that are around us in every moment. It's just thank you for sharing that. It's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We we want to also uh, get into, uh, Susan, I saw it on Facebook. I have to admit you were putting you. a little a little ad about dreams on Facebook. So can you can you tell us about that? What are you doing and what's that about? Great, great. I was going to talk to you about that. I was actually going to give you a call to see if you wanted to come. Um, basically, um, it is, it, it is full circle in what we were talking about. My, my thought on dreams is that there is a rich, rich, um, universe of dreams that is the intention. I'm going to make it simple because we're near the end, right? Um, I think the reason that we're in, we're, we are, we have this impulse to share our dreams or to be delighted with our dreams and want to share it with others is because they're meant to be shared. And I do believe that dreams connect us in a really, really deep way as a people. 
And so basically, that is the point of the workshop from my perspective, is to um, show others, um, to help others look at their dream material and how it relates to their own life, and actually to see how other people's dreams relate to their lives. And is, um, it, a, is it an online workshop, Susan, or do they have to be in Tucson? Yeah, it's, it, you need a computer. You need to do it through Google Hangouts. It's a really, really cool um, way to connect. Uh-huh. I've been doing Google Hangouts for quite a while now um, in my coursework, and I've been talking to people from all over the world in Google Hangouts. So uh-huh. you get a little. You need. You, you get. You can either come on with audio or audio and visual. Audio and visual is a lot more connecting. So you can look into people's eyes while you're talking to them on the Google um, Google Talk. Yes, it's and amazing so technology. It, it, it allows up to ten people, and um, yeah, and so it's it's going to be simply that. Uh, it's not like like you um, like you and Yale. I do um, my things a little differently, like you with your tarot. I I it's not typical dream analysis. More it is. Um, more like a canvas where we're painting a dream and we're looking at it from different perspectives and looking at it like a piece of art and just taking it back to ourselves. Huh? I really like the title that you call it, Dream Illumination, which is just, yeah, I think that's more, like interpretation is so, you know, old school. Yes. Yeah, but yes. illumination is, is a beautiful title that you came up with. It you is indeed. Yeah, I was trying to work at, I want people to know that it is analysis because they love analysis, but I also, and I also want them to know that it's not boxed in. Well, tell us, Susan. So is the next what's, one is this Wednesday? Yes. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, go ahead and give the date and the time and so on, but also, if so, you wouldn't mind, so, tell us, where, what is the necessity for dreaming in the first place? Can you give us some understanding around that? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the workshop is going to this next workshop is going to be Wednesday night. We're 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 playing around with the times. It is going to be weekly, and right now we're looking for a time where people can connect more more consistently. We tried Saturday uh, mornings, and that didn't seem to work so well. So we're going to do Wednesday night um, this next Wednesday night. And um, to answer your question. I, I actually think dreaming is a creative process, and I and I do believe it's the language of the divine. So uh, the thing that totally amazes me about dreams is that they're many layered. If you're looking at at it in a simplistic way, the dream might mean go. You know, you left your you left your uh, coat out in the rain. Um, or if you're looking at it in a deep way, it might mean you need a wash. <laughs> you know, right. so, so the rain is, you know, so there's there's so many levels to dreaming that that's why I feel like it's that one person's dream has a, an amount of rich experience for everyone. I like to just share a dream that somebody shared with me recently yeah. at a dream workshop. And in this dream, uh, the person um, was a hangman. And so he was, you know, back in the uh, the days when we hung people, <laughs> probably in England. <laughs> and um, he was, too. <laughs> there was a man that he was hanging. He was getting ready to put the noose around. He put the noose around the man's neck 
he was an older man, but he wasn't um, like at like death's door. And um, and he he um, hung he hung the man. He woke up after he hung him, trying to figure out why he was dreaming that he was hanging somebody. Now that dream has so many different levels to it. The person who gave me the dream said, for him, he has been going through transition, and he felt like he was taking out a part of himself. Right that he wanted to to transform into something else. In the dream, he also accompanied the man to the next life. So he saw the soul leaving, and he he sort of went with him. So he didn't see the gruesomeness of, you know, the hanging. What he saw was the transition. Right. So, so that I mean, like, when you think about that dream, it just touches you in so many ways. And it touches everybody in a different way. Philip and I were uh, analyzing what it felt like to hear that dream. And that's basically how this goes. Like, this is someone else's dream, and yet every single one of us could come up with uh, a meaning or a heart-centered space that, that encompasses what the message, the message that came through from the subconscious from the universe. Right. And you would have, you know, most people would have an initial reaction to that type of dream when they woke up you know most people would go oh my god what was that all about and assume that it was a negative dream or something horrible but i do find that when you do start looking at your your own symbolic messaging or meaning to things that appear in dreams uh you find out a whole different story than what what you might have thought when you woke up you know yeah, and you know, the other thing I think is that um, dreams that have that shocking quality to them, I think that, that the reason they have that shocking quality is because your dream is asking you to wake up. It's asking you to pay attention, and it's telling you that there's important information here. What about, would, and this is just an opinion question, what about somebody sure. who who would have repeated dreams of uh Ghost. In other words, somebody who is whimpering in their sleep and you know that they're having a nightmare, but it's always the same type of nightmare. It's always some sort of disincarnate spirit or some sort of entity that's after them or confronting them or that they just feel threatened by. What would you make of a recurring dream like that? You know, there's so many ways you can look at that, Angel, and I think I would go back to your ponopono um, thing, that things that are outside of us, the reason that there may be an entity, and the reason that that entity there is there has something to do with you. And so you can look at it at many levels. You can say that there's an entity trying to speak to you, or there's an entity who's got you caught, and you could also say that there's something within you that can release that. And what about That's kind of how I would what about uh, people who have died coming to coming to you in dreams? What is is that real? Do you think? And I use the word real in inverted commas. You know, it, right? Yeah. Or, or is there genuine communication I, I've taking place? I've definitely had that happen to me. I have a funny story. Um, I was in I was in Florida. Uh, kind of separated from my family because I was going through a divorce and 
one of my aunties died, um, and she lives in California, and I, no one told me that she died. And I had found out about uh, two days after the burial that my auntie had died. And I just basically cried myself asleep, you know, like, what am I doing? I'm separated from my family. Nobody, nobody thought about me here. You know, this major thing happened and no one thought about me. And I, so I cried myself to sleep. And then in the, while I was crying or while I was crying in my dream then, um, one of my dad's sister, now this is my dad's sis, oldest sister who died. My dad's youngest sister, who died like maybe 10 years before this, um, started holding me in my dream. And she started kissing me and she said, no, no, honey, don't worry. They didn't tell me either. (laughs) Wow. So she was comforting me and she told me that no one told her that my auntie died and she had had already passed so <laughs> i do think my auntie came to me to comfort me we were very close yeah. when i was younger and i and i don't know if she connected with my other auntie probably did <laughs> yes yeah i wondered about so connecting with 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 dead her, people whatever energy she had yeah what did you say i said i wondered about connecting with dead people because i had a nephew die just last year and I dreamt about him one night, but what was what I found interesting about that was when I went to hug him in the dream, he he actually put his hands up and said, "No, no, no, you can't touch me," and I, I had no, I'm in in my dream state. I felt very rejected by that, and I couldn't understand it. And I I, I bounced it off Angel Rose, and she she said to me that well, he it was probably the fact that he in spirit, in his spirit being. And you, in the physical, you, you know, you couldn't touch him, and that's really what he was saying. Well, it's, it's almost yeah. like you don't belong there because, uh, you know, when my partner Jay committed suicide, I dreamt of him quite a bit, and he was always in a forest. And when I would go to get close to him, he'd say, "Get out of here, babe," you know. And the feeling was, is uh, I took it as a rejection also, but what I came to realize was what he was really saying is, you don't belong here. This is, I'm here. You don't yeah. belong here, you know? And, um, and that's actually a good dream, really, because it, it is saying yeah. that, you know, they're at a whole different frequency level. And if you were to merge with that, you'd probably die as well. So, you know, right. that's, that's, then, I think he's letting you know he's, he's awake and he's, He's alive and well, but in a place where that's not your destiny to be right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And then thinking about the many levels of dreams on the mundane level, you could also say you really can't touch them. They are in another plane. So you could look at it as a practical message to you that you're in the living and they're not. You know what I'm saying? Just in a practical level, like, like with, with, with your nephew, it's like coming to the realization that he is not in the same plane as you. That's right. And sort of, sort of like, and then kind it's of in- a sad message, but that kind of a message. Like, I, you can see me, but, you know, we're in different worlds now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And tell us, Susan and Philip, in, in your interest in dreams, and your interest in nutrition and whole foods and raw foods 
And then in your recent social compassion experiment, do, do you find some common thread in all of those, which seems such disparate interests on one level. But tell me how you pull all this together. About the I have first. to tell you another dream. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was at the Tree of Life, and um, I was struggling with being vegan, and I had actually, um, I had gone out and I had gotten some um, supposedly um compassionately harvested um uh cottage cheese and um and i and i was just like i ate a little bit of it and then i gave the rest away but so anyway i was struggling and um i had a dream <laughs> struggling really really i had a dream and in the dream i was in this restaurant and it was packed there were people all over getting these pancakes and the whole restaurant smelled so good and, and, um, you know, there was syrup on the table and there were families and, and I was, I went in to go get some pancakes. So I was getting the pancakes and I, as I like went to the plate to get, to eat it, I started to try to cut it and I looked at it and it was like reconstituted dirty laundry. And I was trying to break it down so I could eat it because it smelled good. And finally, I just stood up and I looked at everybody like, why are you eating this? This is not food. And that was all I needed to, to, to break the barrier and to realize things are not food. I don't eat them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, are you so going to are you gonna have an experiment? Are you going to have... Oh, wait one second before you answer that question. Are you going to have an experiment in your dream uh, workshop where everybody who is a participant of your workshop can meet together in the dream state for a particular reason. Are you going to try that experiment? Oh. Wow. Wow. I'm going to put that on the agenda. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a, a good great one. idea. I've actually, I know someone who, when he was a boy, he dreamt the same dream as his best friend, and they shared the dream the next day. But I haven't really done any experiments with that. That would be funny. I had, well, just just real quick, I had that happen. um, I had that happen recently, actually, because my youngest daughter got married and she went off with her husband for a honeymoon in Cancun. And for some reason, that whole week, I went through just this horrible fear that something was going to happen to her. I mean, it was... It was like I was grieving. I mean, my heart was grieving as if she was already gone. And, you know, I don't know what the heck that was about. But anyway, uh, because they weren't using their phones at all while they were there, so nobody heard from them. And I one night I was in such anxiety that I mentally said to her, um, contact me, Janae. Just let me know you're okay. Well, anyway, that night I have this dream. And I have this dream that she's back here in San Diego. She's at the airport. And her sister uh, gave her this nod like, you know, hug mom or something. Let mom know you're okay because she's been worried about you. So my daughter, like, comes and she's right in my face in the dream. And she's like, hi, mama. And um, I, I took her hair and I was smelling it. And I'm like, I can't see you, Janae. Is that you? And I just hugged her and hugged her and hugged her. And sobbed and sobbed. Well, when she got back, 
I told her about this and she said, oh, that was the night that I was dreaming that we were having a conversation. Okay. So wow. she had, yeah, she was having the dream that she was talking to me and I was having the dream that she was talking to me. So that's so cool. That just happened recently. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I love that. I really love that. I know. Yeah, I, could, I could go on and on about those kinds of experiences of connecting. I've had a lot of connecting dreams like that. And I haven't really done an experiment like you're talking about, though. I think that would be pretty amazing. Now you've got me peaked. I'm just like, oh gosh, I wonder what, I wonder what would happen. So let's see. I'm going to make sure that this dream workshop is going and that we've got a steady in, influx of people and then I'll start to ask people if they want to do an experiment and we'll get it going and I'll, um, I'll include you in that. Yes, we have to answer Ahana's question on how do you, what do you see as the common theme running through all of this for yourselves? All the things you do. The love, right? <laughs> <laughs> Food is a love note from God. <laughs> you know, if we nourish in our bodies and just opening up to the higher frequencies, it's, it's all one. It's all connection. And it's just life. It's showing up to life. You know, all of these things. It's the higher vibrations, whether that's dreaming, whether that's compassion, whether that's eating high vibration food, it's, it's all, all connected. And the, the more in alignment with our true selves and our, our love, we're going to connect with these amazing, um, amazing attributes and aspects mm-hmm. of the magic of life. <laughs> well, I have, I have an interesting question. It just popped into my mind. So I want to squeeze it in before we end. You know, Susan, when you were talking about the dream with the pancakes and how it was really dirty laundry, what do you think is people's attraction to eating food that really has no nutrition? I think it's part of the same reason that people don't have eye contact. It's it's part of of, of waking up or staying asleep. We need to dream in our dream time and not in our daytime. That's what I really believe it is. We 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 um soothe ourselves so we isolate ourselves from the things that are real. I, I gotta go back to the Anastasia book. I was so inspired with the thought of gardening. Now I'm gonna need to garden, but of gardening and, and putting the seeds in your mouth before you put them in the ground and watering them with your with your hands and Yeah, and that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, Touching our food, it's it's just it's all part of the whole, and we've lost connection with that. And I think part of that is too we we've been trained to think that this other stuff is food and it's not nourishing us, and we really get confused and we don't know where to go. So going inside, meditating, um, dreaming, connecting. I believe that when we start doing all of those things, that we just get stronger and stronger in every area of our life. Um, I see it as, as the, the food is, it really, I think, connecting with what Susan said, but it's, it's a dumbing down of our um, of our senses. You know, these foods kind of a, can be stodgy and heavy and can kind of block some of the frequencies that can make life hard. And when you start to eat cleaner food, you start to feel more. And yeah. so yeah. it can be really hard. And I've seen that a lot where people have, gone into raw food and they, and they can't handle the vibration, they can't handle the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a two-way thing. It's like, that's where I really love what 
Gabriel Cousins does where he incorporates the spiritual as well, you know, and so it's really like all of those levels are connected. And if you just change on to raw food from mainstream diet and you don't change any of your, the rest of your life, you're not going to be able to handle that, that vibration. And because you can't dumb things down with raw food, you just end up feeling sick. <laughs> yes. Here's a question for you, Philip. And, you know, I understand this is, this is a really difficult question because up to now, anyway, I think it's very difficult for us to foretell the future. But you, you've, you both have embarked on a really interesting career that has brought you various places. You've embarked on various experiments. And of course, the last one being your social compassion experiment. And now you're looking at dreams and so on. What do you think is the next thing for you? What, what's, what's your next step, your next piece of exploration? You're really loading them up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just really being present to what is and allowing the unfolding to happen and trusting, trusting the journey. It's not about something in in the future or the past. It's it's really uh, that's the next evolution for all of all of consciousness is you know coming back into that present moment because so much of our lives. You know, we're taught of like, okay, when we do this, we're going to get this in the future. Or, you know, I'm sad right now because of this thing that happened in the past, even if it was just a moment ago. Yes. So the so the future is the now, is the present, and it's coming into the present and being totally present and in love with the now, which is a tough journey. And yeah, we can, we can, and that's, that's where the, the magic happens is totally in the present. Well, now I, so, you know, that seems to be, <laughs> that seems to be an impossible question to answer, but you answered it as Philip made so eloquently, so beautifully and so perfectly. Now, unfortunately, we do wind down at this time. We have had an absolutely wonderful and and lively discussion with Susan and Philip Madeley on the Honest to God series today and we talked about all sorts of things we talked about health and nutrition of course and superfoods and the raw food diet and then we went into your social compassion experiment and told stories all about that and fascinating too then talked about dreams and the dream state and a little bit about the future and it does bring us to the end of our show today, but please do give out your contact details so people can get in touch with you. Susan, for your coaching and for the dream workshop and Philip, perhaps for the nutrition information. Uh, so for Susan's website, it's susanmillercoaching.com and uh, it's got Susan's phone number on that website. It's got a link to uh, workshops and education which are connected with dreams. And... I work for HealthForce, which is healthforce.com, where you can uh, learn about the different superfoods. Okay. And we the, love you guys. Thanks so much. We love you too. Time. Let yeah, us know when it gets cooler over there. Morning, perfectly. <laughs> it is cool today over here. Yeah. yeah what's what's cool, cool Philip? Cool. 95? <laughs> no, no, it's actually like right now, I think it's like. 64, and the high today is only, um, it's a little cloudy. The high is only like 84, I think. Wow, fantastic. Okay. Wow. Okay, we, we, we love you. We thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. And your contact details are at susanmillermadleycoaching.com and healthforce.com. 
And if anybody wants to get in touch with us, it's through angelrose at angelrose.com or the world of empowerment. Now, do remember, of course, that the Eight Steps to Freedom is at 8stepstofreedom.com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at atimeofchange.info. The Nature of Reality is at thenatureofreality.info. And our free group, Akashic Records, are online every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. More information about that at worldofempowerment.com. All the transcripts are being turned into ebooks for Amazon Kindle. Simply search for Angel Rose or Ahanu, A-H-O-N-U. And, of course, due to popular demand, Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive once-off training soon. So if you're interested, go to angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com. So it brings us to the end of our show today. And if you would like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at angelrose.com. Until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings, and thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And as we say in Ireland, Slán agus Bannacht de Live Galair. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.